Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I'm Bill Barnwell. Today, it's a joint podcast with my friend Mina Kimes. We're going to be talking about all the things we got wrong in the preseason and apologizing for them as we finish up the 2021 season. But first, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. You may have heard of it. It is called the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. Mina's podcast, as you probably already know, features news, trends, analysis in and around the NFL with all kinds of guests, including Dominique Foxworth, Field Yates, Mike Golick Jr., occasionally Bill Barnwell himself. If you like X's and O's, if you like analytics, or if you like too much dog talk, yes, of course, Lenny is a dog, give the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny a listen wherever you get your podcast. All right, here's Mina Kimes and all of our apologies for the 2021 season. The way we're doing it, you and I discussed, is we're each just going to take turns apologizing for stuff we were wrong about before the season, uh, because I think we are clearly far along enough in this season to have a sense of what those things are. Yeah, I feel like this is a good chance for us to clear the decks, just get our consciences right before the end of this miserable 2021 year (sighs) and start fresh. And what hopefully, and I keep saying this for the last three years now, hopefully can't be worse than the year before 2022. So if it's all right with you, I'll go first. We can alternate. Um, And and a lot of my apologies are quite topical, I think, headed down the stretch. And this one involves a team that I'm, I'm sitting in ESPN in Bristol recording this. And right now, this team is being discussed on television in front of me. Can you guess what team that is? Bill, this is not hard. It's ESPN. The Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> um, so my apology here is to the entire Dallas Cowboys offense, including defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, for dramatically underestimating them coming into the season. Right now, going into week 16, mm-hmm. they are third in defensive EPA per play, third in DVOA, first against the pass, third in opposing QBR uh since week six, they've been third in pressure rate. That's really come alive. We can talk about that in a second. But undeniably, at this point, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And to prepare for this apology, I actually went back to my notes mm-hmm. from my uh, my NFC East preview pod, in which I was not pessimistic about the the Cowboys, period. But I did say that their best chances, her hopes, I guess, of making it to the playoffs, were the defense being average <laughs> and um I was particularly critical of the secondary. Uh, and, you know, I thought, I said, well, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence is awesome. He's been awesome. He'll continue to be awesome. Obviously, at that point, I had no idea what Michael Parsons would be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just rattling off the names in the secondary. Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis. I mean, Trevon Diggs, he's okay, but that's it. And so I, I, the personnel in the secondary did not impress me, and I am an idiot. <laughs> Can you think about a team in the past, Mina, that just happened to add like multiple, and this is obviously way too early, but multiple Hall of Fame caliber talents on rookie contracts in the draft? Is there a team that comes to mind for you in the past 12 years or so that just happened to do that and it drastically changed the fortunes of their franchise? Yeah, and I remember, I I think I thought their defense would be bad too back in like 2011 or whatever, uh, talking about Seattle. Um. Now, actually, with Seattle, it was like a little bit more of a slower role because they mm-hmm. had they drafted them like over the course of a few years, right? Like right. Um, Sherman was twenty ten, I think. Then yes. Kent Chancellor, maybe Savior Thomas. Then twelve was Wagner. Um, but yeah, I, obviously, I had no way of seeing not just Micah Parsons, but Osa Digizoa, how good he's been. But I, I think the I almost owe a bigger apology to Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. I. The Parsons of it all has obviously had a massive effect. It's kind of like a trickle-down effect or trickle-everywhere effect on Mm -hmm. this defense because he is one of the most versatile, um, just all-purpose defensive studs we've seen in the NFL this early, like, ever. Mm -hmm. But I thought Dan Quinn would come in and it would be the same old cover three and... Um, I didn't think, you know, there this he was going to make the secondary better. I didn't think there would be any creativity. And on that front, I was wrong as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about Gus Bradley, right? And Gus yeah. Bradley's a good defensive coordinator. Like, I'm not taking a ton away from Gus Bradley, but think about the Raiders. Like, those two Chiefs games this year. The Chiefs, the story the entire year has been, okay, 
just play too high and it doesn't solve all your problems but it takes away a lot of what the chiefs do well and we get to the raiders game and gus bradley's like nah like this this is what I, this is what i'm good at so like this is what i'm gonna run chiefs destroy it they get to a rematch same thing gus bradley's like yeah you know what we're gonna be better with cover one this time and, and it didn't work out the the chiefs destroyed it both times i think it's really credit to dan quinn because yeah. like a lot of coordinators don't make these kind of changes especially coordinators who have been successful with those defenses in the past and yes granted having you know, a guy who's going to intercept 10 passes helps. Having Micah Parsons helps. Well, let me ask you, actually. I mean, are, are I'm sure you'll talk about this on live if you've not already. Are, are either of the Cowboys stars, Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs, are either of them your pick for defensive player of the year? We are not talking about this on live. Uh, so I, 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 gosh, I, I thought... Miles Garrett played well mm-hmm. last night against the Raiders. Um, I think, however, he had the opportunity to put together a kind of performance that could seal the deal. I don't mm-hmm. think that happened, especially like seeing them down the stretch drive, the Raiders driving. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is not entirely on Miles Garrett, who I thought made some pretty significant plays in this game. But the door was not shut. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. And I think I don't have a pick just yet. I'm going to totally cop out of this answer. I'm going to wait till the end of the season. I feel this way about like a lot of the awards also, mm-hmm. candidly. But um, I think he, Mike, not Trevon Diggs, Mike, I think he absolutely belongs in the discussion. I mean, who is he comparable to? Like, I just help me out here. I mean, when you watch him play and see how he's used, what comes to mind? There's not really a good it's comp. Crazy. Like, like there are guys, there are inside linebackers who have racked up a ton of sacks in the past. Someone like a Daryl Washington, but that was usually, you know, uh, mugged up pressures. It was yeah. like I'm going to line up in the A gap and I'm going to get to the quarterback through the middle of the field. It wasn't like I'm going to also be an edge rusher and be really good at that as well. Like, those are two totally different jobs, and mastering one of those jobs for a rookie is so difficult to do. And yes, like I, I feel like now the like sort of trendy thing is to be like, oh, well, Parsons isn't actually all that good in coverage. And it's like, no, he's a rookie, but he's fine in coverage. And he's also an incredible pass rusher, an incredible like green dog rusher, an incredible, uh, yeah. you know, sideline to sideline tackler. Like he does so many things well that like, I, I think the comparisons to Lawrence Taylor are misguided just because they're different kinds of players. Like, you know, like Parsons has been incredible as a rookie. He's going to be an all pro. He's going to be a mile pro team. Yeah. And there's not many guys who have been rookie all pros. LT was one of them, one defensive player of the year. And I think I, I would actually take digs, which I know is not going to like be the really? popular opinion. Just like even with the lapses in coverage, even like I feel like the lapses in coverage are overrated. Like, I feel like people saw that one Patriots game where he had the interception and then had the long yeah, the touchdown fall, afterwards. Fall, yeah. And I feel like everyone was like, okay, this is what we know about Trevon Diggs. Like, he's Marcus Peters now. And, like, yes, he has had given up some touchdowns here or there. But, like, it's so valuable to intercept 10 passes. Like, it's yeah. such a game changer. Like, you, you create so much for your offense. Um, I'd probably take Diggs. I know he's going to get, like, one vote. So I know he's not going to win. Yeah. But, like, Parsons, like, I, I can't think of the last team that had two legitimate, like, possibly top three, top four defensive player of the year candidates it's wild. on their defense. It's, it's wild. And like in this last game um, against the Giants, DeMarcus Lawrence, I feel like he was like, hey guys, remember, I'm really I'm really freaking good too. <laughs> I also have the ability to take over games. Although if, if you watch, like the combination of him and Parsons, like you said, whether or not Parsons is lined up outside or green dogging or, or whatever, it's, it's a nightmare for opposing offenses. Um, let's wrap here. Are they the best defense in the NFL? I think the Patriots are better. But I think I think the Cowboys whole, yeah. take over games in a way that no other defense does. And I think that's the scary thing is that, like, you might get a game against them in the postseason where they just, you know, turn you over four times and you have no yeah. chance of winning. Okay, bud. You're up. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> what do I want to apologize? I'll go in the opposite direction. You apologized for not... Uh, believing in the Cowboys, I will apologize for believing in this team too much. The Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. What did you say? I said they were going to win the division. No. I did. No. I did. That's rough. You know what? Sometimes. That's rough. I, I don't know if you know this, Mina. Sometimes we say things before the season because they're more interesting 
than likely to be correct. <laughs> and uh, this this was one of them, as it turns out. And I, I'll cop to this. Like, like if you read my tweets, if you read my columns before the season, I was optimistic on the Jaguars improving by a pretty significant margin from 1 in 15. Numbers said they were going to improve. I felt like, of course, adding Trevor Lawrence to your roster instead of having Gardner Minshew and uh, Mike Glennon and Jake Luden at quarterback, major upgrade. I, I didn't think Urban Meyer was going to be like a hit as an NFL head coach. <laughs> and and I, I felt like it might be like a Chip Kelly thing, or maybe he'd be good at first, and then it would kind of fizzle out after a year or two. And, and I guess what I want to ask you is this. like After he got fired, I feel like there was an, just a flood of people saying, oh, we all knew this was going to happen. Like This was obvious before he ever even took this job that it was going to be a fiasco. Do you think that is fair to say, given what we knew about Urban Meyer coming into the Jaguars job? That it would be a fiasco or that he'd be fired in a year? I I think that it would be a fiasco. I I don't know Uh... that it would be like as bad as it has been. But just like the idea that it would not work, whether it would take a year or two years, but just that like he had no hope of succeeding as an NFL head coach. No, I don't think so. I I think... I think people were critical of him as a person, but at the time, and this is like a, you know, kind of a thankless exercise in trying to put our finger on the, the pulse of what the sentiment was around coaching hires and um, on in various platforms. I think the overriding sense I got was people said, well, this guy is dubious, but he has won football games. Mm-hmm. That is what I remember. Um I have kind of shied away from trying to predict predict whether coaches will be good that, mm-hmm. as a rule now. Um, you know, I, with him, I, I felt comfortable saying this guy sucks because <laughs> I felt that way and I believe it. But as far as the football side, I had no idea how bad he would be. I mean, so I think in, in that along those lines, um, I don't think I was alone. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I can believe that he would be a mess off the field. I can believe that he would not be a great leader, but I just thought the offense would be okay. Like, like I, I figured, okay, they have not just Urban Meyer, but a slew of former Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinators to assist him with Daryl mm. Bevel, with uh, Brian Schottenheimer. Like, there were so many professionals yeah. in the room that I was like, well, like, they, if they have Trevor Lawrence, they have some veterans at receiver um, they have LaVisca Chenault, who looks very promising. They have DJ Chark, who's very solid. Of course, Chark got hurt. Um, they have a competent offensive line, not like the best offensive line in football, but it's not like it's the, you know, the Texans offensive line where it's just like, oh my God, this guy's going to get killed. It just sort of felt like, okay, like maybe they won't be good, but at least they'll be functional and solid on offense. And I mean, this is before Meyer got fired. It was like every week felt like they had not played with each other before in offense. Like there were just so many like snaps where it would just be, you know, Trevor Lawrence expecting a wide receiver to settle and a wide receiver continuing on his route and Trevor Lawrence would throw the ball into the ground or screens that just were not close. Um, it, it just felt like they were not on the same page ever. And that was kind of the scary thing is, you know, it'd be one thing if it was a lack of talent, but yeah. it just felt like they were the worst coached offense in football, which is the one thing I would have counted on given the people they added to their coaching staff before the season. I think that's well put. I mean, I actually watched the Jags this weekend <laughs> out of morbid curiosity. Um, and by the way, I'm going to actually, there might be a good transition coming out of, to my apology because mm-hmm. it does involve Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I want to, you know, I, I, I'll, I will confess to you guys, I have not watched every Jaguars game this year. <laughs> Mina Kimes, I know. I'm lazy. I, I'm a fraudulent taster. Spreadsheet. Um, Spreadsheet person. I just look times. at the dots. I just look at that Lawrence dot. And it looks good. No, and it, it's, it's pretty stunning, man. Like, I think from the other prior games I've watched, there I saw a lot of the same, which is the line is not good. They're not disastrous, though. No. Candid, like, I, like, compared to actually what some of the other rookies are working with, which we can get to. But, um, mm-hmm. it, but it's like... A mixture of Lawrence making a few awesome throws, making some very bizarre misses, candidly, having watched him in college, mm-hmm. and then guys not getting open, right? And it the there's not a lot of creativity in the offense. Everything looks really discombobulated. Now, we should note, of course, they lost, um, you know, you mentioned Chark, and then Robinson was out for a while. Mm-hmm. You lose Dan Arnold, ETN before the season even begins. This is not a good group. Uh, of players around him but it is 
just remarkable how um, poor the execution is. And defensively as well, like, I thought the pass rush would be better than they've been. Uh, And you've seen, like, flashes of it with, Mm -hmm. like, for example, the Bills game, right? Uh, But up front, I think just given the amount of draft capital they invested in the position – it's been a disappointment, obviously, with the secondary. You've got that weird C.J. Henderson trade. And mm. I, I just, yes, I I don't think, I would not have seen this uh, this whole team as being as bad as they were, even though I didn't like Urban Meyer, even though I knew they were bad the prior year. So before you get to your next, uh, your next apology, let me ask you a question. Mm. If you had to bet a million dollars, <laughs> how many more years do you think Tavon Austin will be in the NFL? Because Ooh, every year I'm like, okay, like this is probably it. Tavon Austin mm-hmm. showed up and played like 10 snaps and got hurt or got cut. Like, not that I want to see Tavon Austin leave, but I'm just like, I've made up my mind. Like, okay, this is it for this dude. And every year somehow he comes back and he's catching passes. It's incredible to he's me. He's 30? He's 31. Um... Wikipedia says 30, but maybe it's 31. Sorry. All right, no, no. Wikipedia says 31. You're right. Um, thing is, I can see him catching on as a returner mm-hmm. somewhere. So I think at least a couple more years, at least. It, it, it feels like he's like the Cordero Patterson outside of the return like, yeah. skills. Like he's just going to show up at like 36. And, and be awesome. Be awesome for somebody <laughs> un- like inexplicably. <sighs> is Before we move on to my apology, um... Is the Jaguars' job incredibly undesirable? I don't think so. I, I don't I, either. I, I feel like you still have Trevor Lawrence. Like You can just burn all the tape from this year and just use the men in black machine to convince Trevor Lawrence this year never happened. Um, outside of the Urban Meyer situation, the, the ownership there has spent money and been pretty patient. I mean, they were patient with Gus Bradley. They were patient with Doug Marone. Um Frankly, I mean, given that people wanted to fire fire Urban Meyer after he didn't fly home with the team, you could say they were patient with Urban Meyer to even give him as long as they gave him. Um, you know, I, I feel like that stuff makes this an appealing job. I see. What you, yeah. I, let me look at their cap space. I think they've got a lot of cap space, right, too, in 2020. I, I mean, I, like, is there anyone who you feel like they're yeah, so committed most. to that they're going to like, they, they're like, we, we spent money on, you know, uh, Jamal Agnew. Like, we're not willing to move on from Jamal Agnew. The shining light of the season. Um, <laughs> so what would you do? I, I think, obviously, you want to bolster... You, you need better pass-catching options. And then, I, I would say, mm, a corner. Yeah. I mean, I think if they have one of the top two picks, they're going to draft one of the two edge rushers. Yeah, one of the two edge rushers. I, I, w- I would suggest they should trade down, but if they don't, like, one of the two edge rushers is fine. Yeah, I haven't looked at enough of the draft, but yeah, I think there's... A lot of areas of need. Um, okay, well, this is a good transition to my next apology because mm-hmm. um, it does involve Trevor Lawrence. I would like to apologize for overrating the rookie quarterbacks mm. <laughs> headed into the season, or really overrating how they would play this year, which mm-hmm. I think it has, is a combination of me not just overrating their abilities based on what I saw in college in the preseason, but also underrating the situations they were walking into, mm-hmm. underrating the adversity rather that they would face. Yep. Um, so as of this moment... Oh, well, it's actually not as of this moment because I grabbed these numbers before uh, Monday Night Football and Justin Fields played, but I doubt they've moved that much. No. So QBR, Mac Jones 13th. So that that he's the one who I did not <laughs> who's exempt from this. Uh, and then we've got Trevor Lawrence 28th, Justin Fields 30th, Zach Wilson 31st. Oof. Adjusted net yards per attempt, Mac Jones 17, Trevor Lawrence 30, Justin Fields 31, Zach Wilson 32, DVOA Mac Jones 13. Trevor Lawrence, 29. Zach Wilson, 31. Uh, Justin Fields, 32. So those three. Uh, Trey Lance has played, so whatever. We don't have to talk about him. Um, I underrated Kyle Shanahan's love of Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so put that in a pin, because I'll, I'll have the opportunity to talk about the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who will probably be a playoff team. So the three quarterbacks that, you know, like are obviously have had disaster seasons include Lawrence, who you and I have been talking about, mm-hmm. um, Fields, and Wilson. Uh, so, and then I think, Feel Lawrence and Wilson play this coming week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's going to be yes, they do the Jaguars and the Jets. Mm-hmm. So that'll be gross. But um, 
a lot of thoughts because I watched both of the, uh, I watched all three actually of these the the bad quarterbacks this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I usually watch games, guys. I just at this point in the season don't usually watch the crappy teams because I don't have to. <laughs> but um, it's there's a different. I have different. I don't think like there's a catch-all. Like wow, all these guys are in bad situations. Like they're all very unique. Mm-hmm. You, you and I have been kind of talking about Lawrence. I think the one thing I'll add with Lawrence is. Um, it's like there are still some high highs, like every now and then, even in this last game, he'll make a throw that's extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. But the down, down, down to down consistency is, is so different from how he looked in college. Mm-hmm. And you see some also, I would say not just uh, inaccurate throws, but some poor decisions that I don't know if it's like pressing or bad habits or what, um, Something that's really a bummer watching him is mm-hmm. the lack of a deep passing game, yeah. which is something that you actually have gotten from Wilson and Fields at times, who I'll get to in a second. Lawrence has a great arm, but that just, Bill, does not exist in this offense. Yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, I, I think a lack of confidence in Lawrence and his linemen. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah. you know, is playing behind much better offensive lines in college, had mismatches in college, like... You know, and that happens a lot with young quarterbacks. Like, I think that takes time where it's just you have that confidence to stay in the pocket and and throw downfield. You know, I think at some point, like, in in your head, the game is sped up. And so I think you're just like, okay, I got to get the ball out. Got to get the ball out. Like, have to just, you know, keep myself alive because otherwise this game is so fast that I'm going to get destroyed. And I think, you know, before the year, maybe there was that sense of, okay, well, Trevor Lawrence has been such a preternatural prospect. Like, he stepped in from high school to Clemson and was a starter, you know, immediately and was playing at a high level immediately. Um, And that hasn't been the case. I think with the other guys, I think there's different arguments, right? You know, I think with Justin Fields, the idea was okay. You know, like this is someone who has a more unique skill set, but of course Matt Nagy is going to take the offense that he has and, you know, with it full offseason to prepare, he's going to prepare an offense that makes sense for Justin Fields. We're going to see boots. We're going to see, um, you know, we're going to see some quarterback run game. We're going to see, you know, an offense that plays to his strengths. And with Darnell Mooney and with Allen Robinson, he has downfield threats. Well, Allen Robinson's been hurt. Hmm. Justin Fields has been consistent. And Matt Nagy has done absolutely nothing <laughs> to make the offense easier for Justin Fields. So, the, so we're coming after the Monday night. Yeah, Monday night, jeez, game with the Vikings. Um, first of all, Matt Nagy freaking out of the refs. Incredible Hail Mary for populist approval, which, <laughs> honestly, I respect. Um, you know what the, it's like? Yeah. You know what it's like? It's like when you get bullied as a kid and you see someone else and you're like, no, bully him instead. Like, <laughs> like you like try to transfer the bullies. Instead. Like, no, and I'm going to pick on this other guy. And he it works. Truly chose the most popular, unpopular humans on earth, which are refs. Um, yeah. But again, like the offense, you watch them. It's they're a disaster beyond yeah. fields, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. Like they're constantly, they must have more uh, offensive penalties than any team in the NFL. Right. In terms of, that's a good question. Illegal like formations and motions and such. Um, they got an offensive offside last night, man. First of the season. Historic. That's incredible. It was poor Daz Newsom. <laughs> and it was, it was. I, I think they pointed this out in the broadcast. They were on the 10-yard line, so it was unfortunately, like, super obvious. Like, if they were, if because he was, like, right on the line. Um, yeah, Nagy's going to be gone. I think with Fields, like, if you're a Bears fan, you actually feel pretty good because he has, I think, shown improvement as the mm-hmm. year's gone on. And, like, you, you've had, like, some games, even the one last night, where, it, but the Steelers game comes to mind. There are moments in the Packers game where you, you, you are getting increasing, not just glimpses of, like, the dazzling playmaking ability with the feet and the deep ball, mm-hmm. but also um, he showed he's accurate. But, the you know, problem is, well, a couple problems, uh, still holds on to the football a little bit too long, and then he takes some of those super sacks. that yes. um, it, it actually... To me, the question is like, okay, that might never go away with him in a way that um, players like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, when he was playing, and Russell Wilson also take bad sacks a lot and also have some of those problems. The difference is those three players consistently, they're so consistently counteracting that with positive plays that they outweigh them. With Justin Fields right now, the positive plays don't outweigh the sacks. So I think it's less... To a question of like, will that part of his game go away? I don't think it ever will, but more mm-hmm. just can he be more um, accurate consistently enough so that it doesn't matter? 
Yeah, I, I mean, certainly it feels like if he's going to be good, it's going to be high risk, high reward. It's going to be yeah, big shots downfield. Exactly. It's going to be running the football, uh, and you're going to have to take some of those those big sacks. It's going to take some of those, you know, plays for loss. And we've seen other quarterbacks deal with that. Lamar Jackson takes a ton of sacks. Joe Burrow takes a ton of sacks, and those guys are able to counteract that, like you said, because they do make so many big plays. Let me ask you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, so I'm going to give you a second to think about this one. The Bears are probably going to be hiring a head coach to replace Matt Nagy, unless he successfully convinced the Bears that the refs were the problem all season and that he's actually <laughs> been doing a great job. So if the Bears are going to replace Matt Nagy, I asked Robert Mays this on my podcast, Mina, who do you think the Bears should hire to lead Justin Fields into the future? I thought Mays had a good, a bunch of good ideas. You know, he talked about um, Byron Lefwich, you know, playing that's not exactly the same, but the offense, um, emphasizing the downfield passing game, mm-hmm, right? For sure. And I think there's a lot of validity to that, obviously coming from an uh, organization where they know how to make sure players line up properly as well. <laughs> um, I still I, I like Eric Bieniemy though, for this team. Yep. Um, I, think the, I, I think most importantly, I, w- I would go with an offensive coach, no matter yep. what. I think they've got a really good defensive coordinator. I think you really saw that on display, by the way, the Vikings game. Holy smokes. The fact that... was that, so weird. Dude, they were... Those, those were... Uh, Rams preseason legend, legend Mark Marquis Marquis Christian. Well, now I'm like ruining the bit because I can barely yeah. remember. Uh, Thomas Graham, like all these practice squad dudes, were crushing it for the Bears. Um, so I just think they they got to get the offensive stuff figured out. Do you not? Can, is there not an urge in you to bring up at least one fake player in talking about the Bears secondary? Oh, <laughs> uh, I. That, that was the one thing I was upset about with Urban is that we didn't have a press conference where. <laughs> One member of the media asked Urban about like uh, a, a fake player on his team and whether uh, how he thought that guy was doing because Urban would have one hundred percent gone for it. I love that idea, and I, I'm really sad. Um, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be okay bill so we had two apologies from me one Mm -hmm. from you so let's get another one from you Okay, let me go with a guy who works with Eric Bieniemy, the person you just mentioned before the break. I'm going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire because, man, I was all in on CEH this year. I just really? felt like I felt like he was going to be like the number one player in fantasy football. I just thought about all the things the Chiefs had done this year. I thought, okay, well, you know, he's going to get the goal line work he didn't get last year because Patrick Mahomes got hurt mm. on a speed option in the playoffs, and they're going to take that stuff out of the offense. I thought, okay, well, they couldn't run the ball last year inside the five-yard line. They just went out and invested a ton of money in their offensive line. They brought in Orlando Brown. They brought in Joe Thune. They drafted Creed Humphrey. They drafted Trey Smith, who turned out to be great. Um, They're going to be better running the football inside the five-yard line. And I even thought, Mina, that, okay, teams are going to do what the Bills did and the Texans did last year and play a ton of too high. And one of the ways to beat that is to run the ball a ton. <laughs> and the Chiefs would be better running the football. As it turns out, I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is actually that good. I think that's the problem. Like, I think if there was a different back in these situations, this might all be true. Like, if it had been Jonathan Taylor, if they drafted Jonathan Taylor in this spot instead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think they would be running the football very effectively. I just don't think watching Clyde Edwards-Alaire run, that he's like a great running back. Uh, um, you know, what also strikes me as so strange about all of this is that heading into his rookie season, there was this argument of, oh, it's not just a running back the Chiefs are drafting, but this is a guy who caught a ton of passes at LSU. I think his senior season at LSU, you know, competing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase for targets, he caught 55 passes. And it was, okay, this is going to be, you know, the Kareem Hunt role for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's caught 18 passes in nine games this year. Like, he is a afterthought in that passing game. So, 
The goal line work has been inconsistent at best. Obviously, the fumbles hurt. He cost them a game by fumbling uh, on that final drive against the Ravens. He got hurt for a bit. But just like this idea that he was going to be like this Christian McCaffrey, like supercharged yeah. back that I had in my head, it just has not come together this year for him. Against the Chargers on Thursday. Chargers, the worst run defense in football. CDH. Not even that. Not, not even like the worst. Like, like <laughs> the beyond worst the, by a lot. Not only the worst, but like the defense that actively encourages you to run. They don't, it's not even that they're bad. No, they it. want you to run. They just don't care. They would like you to run very they much. They would love for you to run. 32 yards on nine carries. <sighs> the, the one thing I'll say is outside of a couple of games, there was one game where like Derek Gore went off mm-hmm. and Williams has had a couple of decent games. No one ever looks that great running the ball, which is weird, by the way, because the Chiefs, I don't know how they're six in rushing DVOA, but they are, but it doesn't make sense to me. Because they're facing like four-man boxes, yeah, I feel like. That's I guess, gotta be it. Yeah, and they kind of, oh God, I just looked up, on uh, there's a video and it's Aaron Rodgers on the back of his show wearing a cancel culture hoodie. I was going to I mention, hate it here. I, I was going to mention that. Just I was like, I'm, not gonna, I'm just tired. I'm not going to troll me. So tired. Um... But the word cancel culture is crossed out. So it's a, it's a clever meta commentary on how we've canceled cancel culture, you see. Um, real galaxy brain stuff. Okay, so do, let me ask you this. Setting aside the CEH question, like, mm-hmm. do you think the Chiefs could be effective running the ball more if they wanted to? Yes. I, I, I think if they ran more like power concepts yeah. and they really committed to coming out with, you know, uh, two tight ends on the field, and they used um, who's their fullback? Michael Burden, right? No, um, God, I know who it is. Maybe it's I, Michael Burden. I think it's Michael Burden. I don't think it was him in the past. I think they had someone else in the past. They had uh, Anthony Sherman in the past. Yeah, that's who's in my head. Yeah, they have Michael Burden now as okay. their fullback. Like if they had, if they it's okay, we're just gonna line up and run the ball. Like I think they could do it, but I just think that. It's so boring. Like, I, like if you're Andy Reid, if you're Eric Bandy, which do you want to call like power and trap? No, do you want to throw the football? And like, I, I think they run almost begrudgingly as opposed to doing it as like a focal point of their offense. And I think um, we've seen it hurt them. You know, I, I feel like it would be it's, it's weird, something though, that they were able to do in the past. Like they, when they had Cree Hunt, they could run. I, I, I wish I'd grab these numbers, but I, I feel like they run really efficiently on every opening drive. <laughs> Yes, which is you know of course the Andy Reid thing, right? Like that the opening drives are always amazing, and it's not mm-hmm. just running. I think you've seen week after week since the Chiefs' offense started, they initially started struggling a bit. Um, the opening drives look very different from the rest of the game. Successful screens, actually, on this last game against the Chargers, they used uh, Michael Burton. Remember, uh, mm-hmm. he had uh, a couple of big. He had the touchdown, which was touchdown. comical, and then he he had another big play, and I was like, "What?" I think that's yeah. Anyways, um, so they have that capacity. It is a really puzzling, but I do think you're, I do think Ceh certainly has not lived up to his draft status. But I also think it's worth asking, like, how does he look compared to the other running backs on their roster? Like Derek Gore looked better in that one game mm-hmm. than Ceh has looked the entire season. As me. someone who spent like his entire free agent budget in fantasy football on Derek Gore, I absolutely agree with you. I I, I sort of feel like this is weird to say, given the, you know where they spent so much money. It kind of feels like their biggest need this offseason is to get a third weapon in this oh, passing yeah. game because it feels like they are just so dependent on Travis on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And Hilton Kelsey's getting older. I know he had, had a phenomenal game last week, but he's been inconsistent. Tyreek, it feels like. Once every couple of weeks, like he'll leave a game with a hamstring injury for like four plays, and it'll be terrifying as someone who has a lot of Terry Kill in fantasy football, and then he'll come back and be fine. But it just sort of feels like, you know, McCole Harbin hasn't worked out. CEH is not a viable third option in the passing game. Josh Gordon showed up and has a touchdown, but he's not Josh Gordon. Like it feels like, mm. you know, who knows if Juju would have got hurt being the third sort of yeah. option in this passing off. He would have been, been so perfect. useful for this team. He would have been so team. perfect for this team, yeah, and what, exactly what they need. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's interesting because we've had we've heard a lot of rumors about them kind of looking at receivers in the draft or free agency like Juju in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think Hardman, it, it's – the question they have to face is like, okay, if we want to add another wide receiver, like what kind of receiver 
do we want? And I think it, w- it they would be best served just seeing the way the defense is playing them now and how they struggle by having a more of a possession guy like Juju mm-hmm. who can kind of reliably work underneath. Um, I want I want Allen Robinson. I want one or, year yeah. of Allen Robinson with a good quarterback, not being the focal point of the offense. Mm. Like it might not work he out. Didn't he look might great hurt. this year though. He didn't He's look been great. bad this year, but he was hurt. A lot you of know it. what? I want to see it just for his sake. Christian Hackenberg. Uh, who did they have after that? Who was his? Blake Bortles and uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Like he deserves one year. Just, just I want to see it happen. Okay. What's so this apology is kind of mediated by what's happening lately. <laughs> oh. I want to apologize for saying the Arizona Cardinals would be the worst team in the NFC West. Clearly incorrect. But. However, <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, I'd like to apologize for absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I was obviously way, 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 way too low on this team. Uh, clearly better than my decrepit Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and I I do think there are things that I did underestimate and then things maybe you know, that have sort of changed. I mean, granted, uh, a, a lot of the struggles I do think have to do with the loss of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, shocking, lose one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and also J.J. Watt. Um, that said, I the defense was significantly better than I thought they would be. I, mm-hmm. I, I thought the secondary was going to be one of the worst in yes, the NFL, and they sure. have been far from it. I think in recent weeks you have seen them exposed a little bit at times, um, the cornerbacks in particular, but they're certainly they, – they were really, really good at times during the season and are definitely at least average or above average. And then I think the defense did not regress the way I suspected they mm-hmm. would. Again, struggling now, run defense – we can talk about the fact that they're playing the freaking Colts on Christmas, which could get really ugly. But this team is uh, a lot better than I thought they would be. Yeah, and they've done this with having J.J. Watt for half the season. Yeah. Like, he, you know, has been hurt for – I mean, he, obviously he was there for the stretch when they were playing really well. They were started 7-0 and before Watt got hurt. But, you know, they, they've still held on, I think, for a chunk of time without J.J. Watt. I mean, this is a team starting at cornerback. Byron Murphy, who is a good slot corner. Mm. Nothing wrong there. They were starting Robert Alford, who had not played since 2018. He had been out for two years with injuries at cornerback. And then uh, Marco Wilson, who was a rookie fourth rounder, who is not playing well. But he is, you know, he they're at least surviving with him at cornerback. Like They've played some great quarterbacks, and those quarterbacks have not been able to just destroy Marco Wilson over the course of the season. I think you have to give credit to Buda Baker. I think the linebackers they have there and Isaiah Simmons and, and Zayvon Collins and Jordan Hicks, they've all been playing well and they have been, you know, I think Simmons has improved dramatically from what we saw as a rookie where he was like borderline unplayable for the first half of the year and getting Marcus Golden yeah. for, for basically nothing. Um, a guy who had been productive with him earlier in his career, got hurt, went to the Giants for a year, was pretty good. And then, you know, it was okay last year when he got, went back to the Cardinals and had, you know, has 11 sacks this season. Like, you know, I, I mean, as good as Chandler Jones is, like he had five sacks in the opener and has four and a half sacks over the ensuing uh, 11 games he's played. So it's not like he's been, you know, the best player in football by any means. I just think, you know, they're well coached. I think they are, um, you know, they, they have so many athletes that they are, are really, they can fly around the field. And I think that's really valuable. And, you know, I, I, I think, I'm almost more concerned, strangely, heading into this final stretch of the year about the offense than I am about the defense. The offense looked very bad (laughs) against Detroit. Um, And they looked bad, I mean, in a way that kind of reminded me, even though they were better, of Kyler's rookie season, Mm -hmm. where it was just build the whole plane out of Kyler, run around and make something crazy happen. Um you know, you, you see that with Hopkins out. Like, A.J. Green, oh, as a number three? Okay. Like, actually, you know, like, a great option for them. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, getting more out of him than you, you might have thought. And Christian mm-hmm. Kirk slides down, and then R- Rondell Moore can be your your screen guy. But then when you take Hopkins out, everyone kind of slides up a role, and suddenly uh, it's no longer tenable. I think a big, a big problem in this particular game, and this is something that it has been an issue – over the last few games, is the offensive line has really 
struggled. An offensive line that was playing a lot better than I expected early in the year. Now, granted, they haven't had Rodney Hudson, and that's mm. enormous, especially considering the fact that uh, Max Garcia like has a weird snap like once a game. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there, but um, yeah, I, I think you, you saw in this game against Detroit, they were not prepared mm-hmm. for Detroit's pressure package. I mean, I, they were blitzing Kyler. You could not blitz Kyler the first half of the season without getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case right now. Like, that, to me, um, probably has a lot to do with Hopkins, frankly, being out. But that is a big problem for this team going forward. Like, you're 100% correct. But that's such, like, a smart football person opinion to have. Like, oh, yeah, Rodney Hudson being out really hurt their protectability. I mean, come too. on. But you're the right, snaps though. are fumble. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't <laughs> like be smart to see correct, that. But, but it's, it's just like, that would be the thing you would say to seem smart. You are actually smart. I'm not saying that. I, it's 100% correct. It's just like the classic, like, oh, yeah, they were missing the center, you know? Oh, what do you think about Kyler? Like, what do you when, what do you see right now? I see a guy, like, he doesn't have easy answers for stuff. Yeah. You know, it feels like, like... Cliff is going to run a lot of core concepts a lot. And that's fine. Like, you can do that and succeed. Sean McVay does that, you know, dressing up a lot of stuff. They don't really dress stuff up as much, though. Like, they do a little bit here and there. But, like, they're famous for, you know, in the air raid for lining up DeAndre Hopkins on one side of the field because that makes it easier to play fast and and to reduce the amount of strain you have and, and get the same reps in the same spot. And that's fine. Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But we've seen now for the last couple of years, they felt kind of stale and beat up and and easily figured out by the end of the season it doesn't feel like they have that counterpunch and that felt that way last year we kind of blamed it on injuries and some of it is is losing hopkins for sure and some of it is not having hudson in that lions game but it felt like the lions were just more prepared it felt like they were like a step ahead of the cardinals that that entire game and you know kyler still made some magic happen like there were some crazy passes in that game from kyler but to get to your original point about Cliff, like this is supposed to be a year where Cliff has figured this stuff out. Like, this is a guy who was, oh, why isn't he coach of the year? Why is he not getting that kind of reputation? Why don't people believe in the Cardinals? And like one game doesn't prove everything, but like if you watch that Lions game, it felt like they did not have an answer for the Lions that entire contest. And like, you know, I, I think Dan Campbell is do I want to say a good coach? I, I I think the Lions are playing hard for Dan Campbell, and I think they're a fun team to watch in their own strange way but like it's not like they had a talent advantage it's not like they were overwhelming the cardinals like they were just better prepared and executed so much better than arizona did they also caught like a jared goff great game which is just (laughs) wonderful like when that happens like jared goff was just on in this game every now and then because he's still he for all of his flaws he has a very good arm right like jared goff can make like incredible throws under pressure and if he just happens to string together like five of those you can you can just get screwed if your offense isn't executing mm-hmm. um yeah cliff was all over the place in this one man like first half barely running the ball just tons of screens you could tell he uh knew that they were like it was just very very fearful of getting beat up front and then I've railed about the game management stuff enough already, but it were kind of remi- some of the decision making was really strange and all over the place. Like mm-hmm. w- when he went for it, when he didn't, it just didn't, there was no coherence to it. And that actually reminded me a lot of I talked about rookie season Kyler. That reminded me of rookie season Cliff, where mm-hmm. we were all kind of questioning whether or not he had figured out the game management aspect of being an NFL coach. Um, so let's just to put a bow on it. Like, do you think? Do you think the Cardinals can bounce back? Because, boy, they got the Colts and then they get the Cowboys. This is not an easy schedule. That is going to be a fun game. Cowboys, the Col- the Colts game? Oh, I was going to say, the Colts game, I feel like they're just going to get sl- hammered. It does feel that way, right? Like They're like the opposite of the Cardinals in so many ways. Like The Colts are super well coached. They might not have a ton of stars, but like they just are so physically overwhelming at times. Um, they're not stylish. Like, can you imagine Frank Reich living in Cliff Kingsbury's house? You can't. It, it, it would not happen. Like, I, I don't know what Frank Reich's house is. Probably super cozy. Yeah, I imagine like a log cabin in Indianapolis somewhere. <laughs> a lot of um, pictures of his family. <laughs> right. And that's fine. It's good for Frank Reich. But um, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys game, I think, is going to be so difficult because like, we don't know if Dak is healthy. We don't know if uh, Hopkins is going to be out, but we don't know if Rodney Hudson is going to be there. And like... If you have an offensive line that is struggling in protection against the 
Cowboys. Oh boy, that is going to be scary. All right, Bill. Final apology from you, my friend. Final apology from me is to the Green Bay Packers, a team where every year. This is a good one. Stupidly, I read a column about which teams are likely to improve and decline. And I was like, oh, well, here are the reasons why the Packers are going to decline. I looked at the numbers and historically teams like the Packers almost always regress the following. The Packers, they break the rules. Like, like each year they do something that's just insane. And year one, they won a ton of close games. Year two, they were like the best red zone offense in the history of football. Aaron Rodgers went from being a guy they were about to try and replace to being the league MVP. This year, it's just like anything goes. From It's like a wild card from week to week. What are the Packers going to do to defy any expectations you have heading into the season? Think about the games they've won this year. They won the Cardinals game where A.J. Green fell asleep in the end zone uh, on that final play. That was, yeah. They won the game against the Bengals where um, mm. uh, Mason Crosby missed three field goals and Evan McPherson, who's been great, by the way, for the Bengals, missed two game-winning field goals uh, at the end of regulation and into overtime. They beat the Ravens last week when mm. the Ravens did not execute that two-point play. Mm. Like, in a vacuum, I would say, well, that's not likely to happen again. I, I, I'm, I, I can't bring myself to say this about the Packers anymore. Like, like <laughs> all, all, all the things I rely upon to tell me what to say feel useless, given how this team just manages to win games week after week, year after year. It feels like the right time to tell you that my Christmas present for you is a cancer culture hoodie. It's coming <laughs> in the mail. Um, and they've done all this after losing freaking Jair Alexander. Yes. Zadarius Smith and, and David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari. hasn't played all year. It doesn't year. make any sense. It does make sense. Um, I, well, th- I think there's a couple of things at play here. This is a very well-coached team. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, this has been such a weird, bizarro NFL season, right? There's so much parity and uncertainty and scorings mm-hmm. down and whatever. I do find myself kind of turning to the well-coached teams like the Colts and the Patriots and the Packers and mm-hmm. the Bucks and you know the Rams to some like just thinking okay like at least I know this <laughs> and I, and but I do think that it really factors into their success on both sides of the football. Um, they've been able to get incredible play. I mean the Packers have been able to get incredible play out of like you know fourth round offensive linemen now for several years. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the God Gutekunst, but. <laughs> You know, who could have seen Devondre Campbell coming to Green Bay and becoming a Pro Bowl yes. linebacker? Is he all pro, maybe. Like, you know, it's it's wild, frankly. Russell um, Douglas. Russell Douglas. Yeah, it's just incredibly impressive. Um and then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is the last probably five or six weeks is the best quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. to me. Um I guess my question for you is, is there any reason to doubt them being the Super Bowl favorites at this point? Hmm. Oh, boy. Do Packers fans want me to say yes? I feel like... Yeah. Oh, right. Because at this point, you're such a reverse jinx. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I should say no so they, they can be further spurred on by my, my hatred. Do you get disrespect. hate? Are they mad at you for saying they'll regress every year? Uh, I know some... T- I feel like Browns fans really hate you for that. Browns fans got really mad at me. And as it turned out, I was correct about the Browns. That's another story. By the way, Aaron Rodgers, last five weeks, 76.8 QBR. Number one in the NFL by nine points. Almost 10 points. <sighs> Folks, it's happening. It's happening. 13 touchdowns, no picks, almost nine yards per attempt. COVID made Aaron Rodgers stronger. Stop it. That's, that's the only thing we can, only conclusion we can draw. You. Or, um, or... The toe was holding him back. That's the, he- true. the healthy toe. <laughs> the toe was, it's like the Ewing effect. Was throwing him off. I don't know what you're talking about, but the, the toe <laughs> the toe threw him off. Um yeah, I mean like like the one thing that comes to mind is the special teams, right? It just feels like like can they duck that one game where the special teams just falls apart? They did a couple weeks ago against the Bears, but they were playing the Bears. You know, like can they do that against a team like um what teams in the NFC have good special teams? Mm, not the Rams. Not the Rams. I think the Bucks special teams are good, right? 
Just thinking about the actual contenders. Let's see who can get to football outsiders. <laughs> I'm just, we're going to have to tap the them The Cowboys. Out. The Cowboys are third oh, in right. special teams DVOA. Right. Mm. Cowboys, Packers at Lambeau for the NFC Championship game. That'd be juicy. Um, I mentioned I, this last week with Field, or probably Shield, but a lot of, I did this when I recorded the pod with, with Shield. Um, they do get Randall Cobb back. At some point, and I wonder if they'll have him. They'll have him returning once he comes back. Do you think they're going to get Bakhtiari back at any point? I can't tell what the hell's going on with some of the injuries. I mean, I think so. They're all like practicing, right? Actually, I don't know if Sidarius Smith what the latest is with him, but I know Jerry Alexander is practicing. I think he's coming back for sure. With Bakhtiari, it feels like he was close, and then they kind of had a setback. Yeah, I think you're right. But he did, pra- he did practice last Wednesday is the last so note. I, I've been on Bucks Chiefs for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks, but I've moved the Chris Godwin injury, which obviously sucks. Yes. Um, kind of push. I was leaning this way anyways, but now I'm on Packers Chiefs. Uh, feel like that's got to be the overwhelming consensus. Was that your preseason pick? No, Bucks Chiefs was. Bucks Chiefs was. Yeah, right. yeah. So I had what did I have? I had Bucks Chiefs last year. But then I picked the really? Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. So, mm. oops, that's good preseason. Good preseason, bad Super Bowl. It turns out no one cared about the preseason prediction. <laughs> that was really hard. But a lot of people cared about getting the Super Bowl prediction <laughs> wrong. Um, I had Rams, Rams Chiefs before the before this season. season. I mean, yeah, Rams are looking feisty. I hope this that ages poorly. I suspect it won't after <laughs> tonight's game. <laughs> um, I, I I think the Packers are the favorites, and yeah. I think. You know, maybe it's just that one week bias with the Bucks looking so bad against the Saints. They looked pretty good before that point. But mm. um, think about the Packers. Like, they lost three games this year, one of which was just a game where everything went wrong against the Saints. That's and it was right. week one. Maybe we just taken it out of our mind because it was week one. But otherwise, they lose to the Chiefs when Aaron Rodgers is COVID and Jordan Love plays. Mm. And they hold the Chiefs to 13 points. And they lose to the Vikings in a game that was back and forth and, and could have gone either way. Like... Mm. I, I just feel like they have been so difficult to beat this year. Well, Bill, you have nothing to apologize to me for because you have been a delight on this podcast. Thanks for doing this with me, bud. I appreciate it. And happy holidays. Thank you, Mina. You as well. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to Mina Kimes, my friend, my colleague. You listen to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny already. But if you don't, obviously, go check that out. Download and subscribe there. We don't do a joint show every week. Pretty similar shows, but Mina's a lot better at it than I am. So listen to her show as well. Uh, Hope you guys have a great holiday. We'll be back, I think, next week, if not the week after. I'm not sure if we're doing a show next week, but we'll be back talking about football at some point in the next week or two. Hope your fantasy playoffs go well. Hope your best ball tournaments go well. I know I have a couple teams left. Hopefully uh, they're doing well as well when I check. But hope you guys have a great holiday, and we'll talk soon.